Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Casino Royale starring Daniel Craig, Eva Green, Mads Mikkelsen, and Judy Dench. Based on Casino Royale by Ian Fleming, screenplay by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and Paul Haggis, and directed by Martin Campbell. Welcome back to Rice Smile Films. Happy October, but happy Bondcast. Uh, this is a long time in the making. Matt, you know how excited I am to discuss this character and especially this film that we're going to be discussing today. And my Bond fever pitch is at like an 11 right now. So I'm, I'm excited for this week. I'm very excited for next week. So I might have lied a little bit. You know, I'm excited for Dune. I hope that's a really good movie. But I think this Bond was probably the thing I've most been looking forward to since uh, since Nolan's last film. So two years late from original date almost by the time it gets yeah, here. Yeah, a year and a half. Uh, you're like a year and nine months almost. Yeah, so. So you have two choices, Jesse. Okay. You have the Bond film entirety uh-huh. or the Halloween film entirety i'll even throw a third entry in there this won't win but i'll put it in there i can the alien film entirety and you can only choose one on a desert island for the rest of your life which of those bond hands hands down not even close yeah i love alien i like two of those movies and i like halloween like maybe like 3.5 or like really good and some are enjoyable in a schlocky way but for just entertainment purposes this is the series i get i get just the peaks and valleys are just crazy they are and you get such a variety in tone and and style but uh why don't you go ahead and pour us we opened this up on the patreon the when we did uh heathers this is a barrel bourbon project uh this is their straight bourbon whiskey uh this one's pretty good pretty unique um but while you're doing that uh you did this last week and you kind of like spotlighted malignant and its uh failures to oh. entice us <laughs> yeah. allow me to to add more to that uh, oh, okay. for this week's episode i've seen 2021 or 2021 mm-hmm. worst movie it is spiral oh. the chris rock chris rock soft soft project i can't even begin to tell you how awful this movie is we're talking potential rot gut cask material R- the rock guttest of rock gut like battlefield the, earth yeah yeah pretty pretty bad you know the later saw sequels i've seen them all they get a little tired and drawn and not great. This is way worse than any of those six or seven. Really? Yeah, it was atrocious. Tonally, uh, execution, the twist, it was stupid. Is he the new Jigsaw? Is that the twist? <laughs> That's not the twist, but the twist, you can't even really call it a twist. But he's essentially doing a stand-up routine through the whole movie. Jigsaw sounds like Kermit the Frog. It's mm. so fucked. Mm. <laughs> Did you look at budget stuff? I didn't look at budget. It, it couldn't have been super expensive, maybe yep. under 20. Man. But, but bad. Malig- you thought Malignant was bad. This was whew, another level of bad. So this is, okay, because Malignant was bad, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as bad as Mank. Yeah. And this is worse than Mank. Oh, hands down. Oh, I have to watch yeah, it now. Yeah, you should check it out. Just be like, what is going on here? <laughs> That's cool. All right, so can I flip to the good side for a yeah, minute? Yeah, go ahead. A lot of buzz around a new show that I haven't jumped into yet. I actually thought it was a, a movie at first, but it's a full series on mm-hmm. Netflix, Midnight Mass. Yeah, Mike Flanagan. Right on the heels of our vampire cask, I guess we've got a vampire series, seven shows deep. 
Yeah, have you tried it yet? I I've done episode I'm up in episode two, but you yeah. know I'm I'm slow I'm slow with shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's slow burn horror. So Mike Flanagan's the guy that did Haunting of Hill House and mm-hmm. Bly Manor and Doctor Sleep. So yep. you kind of know what you're getting with him, but. Um, I'm digging it. I kind of like the little seclusion, isolation vibe, you know, I like the religious element and that's about as far as I've gotten in terms of revealing. So mm. I'm going to keep powering through. Yeah. See, I think we're going to jump in this week and give that a go. Yeah. That'll be a good October show to do. Yeah. Excellent. Here's to you. Che- to you. Mm-hmm. All righty. I'm really looking forward to this flight question. Heck so yeah. let's get right to it. All right. So talking about <clears throat> the James Bond franchise, I think one of the, you know, all the the tropes uh, that you come to expect, you know, from gadgets to the way it opens, the cold open, the Bond women, the Bond villains, the side henchmen. I mean, there's so many different things to talk about, but I think one of the things at the tippy top of my list has always been the the music, the, the songs. So whether it's the opening credits uh, or songs at the end, songs somewhere in the middle there. Um, we're gonna do our top three uh, favorite songs from the Bond franchise. So good. So without revealing, so I know yours ahead of time because we wanted to cue up some good sounds. So I'm gonna play the clip. We'll let it play out. We'll talk about it. We'll move on to the next one. Sounds good. Alrighty. So here's your number three. If you take life, do you know what you so from today's film you know my name by mr chris cornell why you, did you why'd you pick this one you can't be surprised yeah my gen x is coming through in a big way your grunge is seeping through um we'll get into this a little bit later i'm sure with your choices too mm-hmm. I think the selection of male vocals might be a little limited mm-hmm. in so far, but what I would say, if you were going to choose one, and we'll, as I have an honorable mention, we'll talk about later sure. um, with one of the other ones. His voice for me, and this was a big point on why I chose the songs I did, mm-hmm. needed to fit the tone of the film. Sure, yeah, that is a rugged song. Chris Cornell is ruggedly lyrically superior to just about anybody else in that entire movement. And it's yes. a rugged film. And it's a rugged film. Good, yeah. So He's honestly, a, that could ease that could easily be my number one. Mm-hmm. Um, my three are all really close. Sure, that could be one or three depending on the day. But I actually, not just with Bond, like I actually really just enjoy that song. Yeah. I'll just listen to that song. Excellent. Uh, what, he's an interesting choice. Like Chris Cornell, 06, mm-hmm. like for the producers to come, do you want to write the Bond song for us? Like that's kind of interesting, right? Post Soundgarden, pre Swan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yep. in a different kind of place. And to him, to oh, Chris absolutely. Cornell. Yeah, one of my favorite musicians of that era. Thank you. Great choice. Uh, so I cheated a little bit in some of my picks because honestly, you know, when you sent over years, I was like, well, you know what? If I did a top three, it would kind of be very similar. What so right. in the nature of kind of keeping this very interesting, I pick some songs that, you know, are at the end credits, a song that's in the middle, and then an, an actual main song. So I want to just kind of bring light to some of these. 
And then how they pick the songs too is interesting. So a lot of times the producers will go up to an artist like Cornell and be like, will you write the song for us? And uh, you know, my name is actually a collaboration between him and the film's composer. So that little do, 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 that actually shows up throughout the film. So Mm -hmm. that's how you can tell if they worked on the song together. Yeah. Um, But then oftentimes I think they commission a song, they like it, but they want more. Uh, So they go, do another like call for papers for another song again. So the song I'm picking is actually from tomorrow never dies. It's called surrender. I think it was intended to be the main title. And then at the last minute they got Cheryl Crow and that song's not amazing. No, uh, this song's way better. Not only your body, but your soul. Never dies. Yeah. You know I like my horns. That's what it needs to be. Yeah. Um, Who is that? That's KD Lang. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Some interesting choices. At first I thought, is that the Shirley Manson one? But that's a different film. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that you and I, with this flight question, Mm -hmm. are in a space with music we both really like. Mm -hmm. For me and take this in the lay term for yeah. all of the musical experts out there as I'm sitting across the desk from one of them. <laughs> it needs to have stalled out about 1967 mm-hmm. tonally with someone that's got a huge set of pipes and you can't go light on the strings or the horns. Yeah. And mostly the bass line will be strings and the horns are the accompanying sure, pieces. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. How that wasn't chosen. I don't know. To Cheryl Crow, yeah. Other than it's a name, yeah. And Cheryl Crow in '97 is huge, huge, yeah. So and Katie Lang wasn't not wasn't small, but mm-hmm. Cheryl Crow's, yeah. Um, that's so more germane to the Bond franchise than that Crow song. I actually listened to that. I, I almost came up with a secondary list for you, okay. Which was the weirdest Bond song. Sure, yeah. Like we could do spend all day with that. Biaha's Living Daylights would be number one on that. Oh, wow. But that would almost make the list to the Katie, the Cheryl Crow version. So if, if there's a song that plays over the end credits, odds are it was the backup song. <laughs> That's a great song. Great song. Great song. Yeah. You're number two, Matt. Yeah. He's the man, the man with the Midas touch. A spider's touch. A cold finger mm-hmm. beckons you to enter his web of sin, but don't go in. Goldfinger by Shirley. She's the reason we're doing this question. Yep. This song was so different to how they had opened the prior two films with a big title opening number with the vibrant vocals and this song was huge when it came out so uh great choice great choice if eartha kit had talent right mm-hmm. she'd be shirley bassey mm-hmm. yeah. gotta have one of those and there's a couple choices that's with the searing horn that jumped in when we both mm-hmm. played it here yeah uh, yeah that's 
almost too easy, isn't it? Almost too easy, but it has to. It almost has to happen. And surely three times Bassy, she's done three of these songs mm-hmm. for this franchise, so that's pretty cool. I'm dying to hear your number two. My number two. This is going to be maybe uh, the the most modern of uh, of takes, but I'll, I'll explain why I really like this song. Yeah, Sam Smith, a writings on the wall from Spectre. Uh, this reminds me a lot of the old John Barry, Sean Connery days, like the st- sweeping strings. And then he's got a range that's on kind of another level mm-hmm. of singing. But this is a song, I, it's it's grown on me so much because when it first came out, I usually go and listen to him and like formulate my opinions. I was like, I don't really love this song, especially coming after Skyfall, which is such a huge, huge number. Mm-hmm. And it grew on me. Like I saw it in the movie and then the I kept listening to it. And I was like, you know what? I really do dig this song and how old school it sounds to me. And, and when talking about Spectre, I mean, you're talking about a foe from the past that they're trying to reestablish in this new iteration with Craig. It's the perfect song for that, that film. So that's my number two. So I've told you a couple times some stories when I was reading mm-hmm. and I tell you about that script Torrente that was one of the most hilarious things mm-hmm. I've ever read. Mm-hmm. There was a bit in there that was absolutely laugh out loud in the middle of the office with 20 other people around me mm-hmm. about Michael Buble. Okay. We had a discussion about what we would want Michael Buble to do in film. And frankly, what came up was a month song. Well, we almost got it, right? Yeah. Sam Smith is not, but almost that. Sure. And uh, that conversation seems to be pretty accurate because it didn't turn me off the way it did for you, although it is big following Skyfall, no question. Mm-hmm. That's a big follow-up. Yeah. Um, I liked it. It is different, though. Mm-hmm. His his pipes are glorious. Yeah. But they take a bit of getting used to, no? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Good choice. Absolutely. The strings on that are so gorgeous. Ooh, yes. Uh, strings, like I, I got goosebumps yeah. just kind of uh, just talking about it. But let's do your number one. Yep. Skyfall by Adele. Great number one. Big, right? Oh, yeah. Huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, up until, yeah. well, I, I'll let you just, just finish, but, you know, the Brazen era, we had, you know, Tina Turner, Sheryl Crow, Garbage, Madonna. Mm-hmm. And then with Craig, we, you know, had Cornell, and that was more hard-hitting. And then the next one, Jesus, Jack White and Alicia Keys. Yeah. I'm going to do something here in a second with that. But this was like a return to form for me. This was like from those Connery 60s era bonds, 
big pipes, strings, mm -hmm. choir in the back. Mm -hmm. It felt more old school than anything we had heard since like the Gold early seventies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I thought too. Mm -hmm. This is so organic to what I want that to sound like. Mm -hmm. There are certain formulas in film that I'm tired of and and there are certain ones that we want to see over and over. At the beginning of the Bond film, and this will lead into the nightcap question too a little bit later. Yeah. I want silhouettes in an animated form mm -hmm. and I want that. Yeah. I want that. Mm -hmm. Um was that your number one too? If you were gonna did I take your number you one didn't, too? You didn't take my number one, but in in the me formulating this, it's making the top three. It's 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 so great. Okay. Well, um, I don't want to, I have a question for you, but I don't maybe want to walk all over what you might play. So I'm going to let you play it. And then I don't think you, you know, you know where I'm going with this. So my number one is actually, so, you know, when and we're going to talk about this a lot today, when they're able to kind of break bond down a bit and get to the more tender moments, mm. you get more moments in music that really kind of delayer the character a bit and, you know, bring more dimensions to him. And I think no more evident than this song here. Uh, just listen to it for a bit. Mm -hmm. I love Rick Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> so Louis this, Armstrong. Yeah, the songs we have all the time in the world, composed by John Barry and so, sung by Mr. Louis Armstrong. And you know, it's it's essentially played when Bond's falling in love with uh, with Diana Rigg and on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So, oh wow, breaking Bond down to his most tenderness, like when he's able to really let his guard down. You get things like that, and mm -hmm. th that makes you know the music even that much more special. And I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but I've listened to Hans Zimmer's score for No Time to Die, just listened to some of the tracks. I don't know how this fit. That melody shows up in the in his soundtrack. Mm. So really? we'll have to talk about that next week. But that's my number one. I've, I've always really liked that melody and what it means for the character. Spoiler alert, it doesn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the song that's the score to Bond and Riggs's love affair... Mm -hmm. And it's rekindled in this. Mm -hmm. And the end of this trilogy should start with where we're going to have the conversation day, which certainly has to have some getting over Vesper. Sure. Wow. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. You have me interested. Yeah, I am too. I didn't want to step on this, but I'm glad I didn't. I want to ask you a question. Okay. As I was going through this yesterday afternoon, um, you know what came up? For your eyes only. Sheena Easton. Did we... So a couple questions here. Did we maybe, and look, I love, um, you got the look. That's my favorite Prince song too, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And Sugar Walls is an interesting song to its own self. Mm -hmm. Did we miss Jeannie Easton? some pipes that you and I think would have really appreciated? And I will say that I am a sucker mm -hmm. for women that can really sing. Mostly it was being raised by my aunt and mm -hmm. a lot of Stevie Nicks and Pat Benatar at a really young age. Sure. Linda Ronstadt too for that. But that's a Sheen Easton's a different kind of vocal stylings compared to 
rock opera, Pat Benatar and whatever Stevie Nicks is, the yeah. goat now. I don't mean greatest of all time. I literally mean she sings like a goat yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Did we miss out on her? Maybe. Because that song's... That's a gorgeous song. It's 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 very gorgeous. It's more like uh, more of a ballad more than anything. And what's interesting about that title, she's actually in the title, yeah. singing it. So, yeah. yeah, I think you're onto something there. Great choices. That mm-hmm. was fun. I have a, a slight honorable mention yeah, because yeah. it's a little bit off the. Because we could do when we when Bond shows up again years down the line, we'll do this for a flight because we could do the best unused Alice Cooper's Man with the Golden Gun, Johnny Cash's Thunderball. Hmm. But I think the winner is she's going to show up again, Shirley Bassey. This is what you got in Quantum of Solace. Okay, that's enough of that. This is what we could have gotten. Oh, which one? There'll always be a space, a fact I have to face now. Song's called No Good About but Goodbye by Shirley Bassey again. Mm. We chose Jack White and Alicia Keys. Again, I think the, rap, huh? the names got the better of us. And the, the producer probably like, oh, are we going to do have Shirley do it a fourth time? Yes, have her do it a fourth time because that yes. song's amazing. Yes. And it's it's more old school and uh, it just it just fits the vibe I think they wanted to go with. So, yeah, mm. Johnny Cash's Thunderball. Uh, Alice Cooper, uh, Radiohead did a, un, a rejected one for Skyfall or Spectre, mm. if I do if I do believe. So that that's a whole conversation too. That, yeah, and they actually get to play the songs like after the fact too. Like they don't, oh. the producers don't retain the rights to the the trial tapes or whatever. Huh. Yeah. Do you have a choice for strange? Uh, two two more questions. Mm-hmm. Strangest. Madonna's die another day. That is weird. I could see why you'd want to get Madonna like at at that time, mm-hmm. or maybe or like early nineties would have been a little bit better. That's like that's synth. That's synth um, produced electronically. Madonna though, that's yeah. not even Madonna. Madonna. Yeah, it's one problem indicative of that entire film, mm-hmm. and it's the reason we get this one today. Mm. You, and, um, yeah, the strangest is that aha, the living daylights. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that they chose them to do that song at the place in their filmography where they are. Like for everybody out there, aha is huge. And I don't mean in a citizen dick kind of way from singles. I mm-hmm. mean, aha is huge yeah. back home in Sweden or wherever the hell they're from, mm-hmm. somewhere in the Scandinavian peninsula. Huge, like multiple, multiple mm-hmm. awards. Everything they touched went platinum, but they were not here. Mm-hmm. Take the living daylights. Take, take on me, yeah. Eight to nine years after, take sure. on me. I know. It was a little bit too little too late. Very weird. Mm-hmm. And then one more. Yeah. Do you like A View to a Kill? By Duran Duran? I do. Um, in just kind of uh, mid-80s, yeah. just kind of cheese. Like, that, that song's ridiculous. And the movie's even more ridiculous. Uh, when it comes on the radio, I do kind of find myself singing along to it. I almost picked that. Mm-hmm. You know what the deal breaker was? Mm-hmm. Until we dance into the fire. That is Until such a... Until we uh, dance into the... Right? You and me doing Simon Le Bon's rough at 10 o'clock in the morning with a little bit of bourbon. You're, but you're right, yeah. That's such 
bad songwriting. Yeah, I know. It sort of. <laughs> okay, you know, enough said. Oh, gosh. Oh, a lot of fun. I knew yeah. we were going to have a, a blast talking about this. Uh, the nightcap's going to be great, too, because that was a road down. Oh, my God, I love all these things. So mm-hmm. let's get right into our view breakdown of Casino Royale. And how the hell did you find out where I lived? Same way I found out your name. I thought M was a randomly assigned letter. I had no idea it stood for... Utter one more syllable and I'll have you killed. I knew it was too early to promote you. Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. Mm. So your mistake will be short-lived. Bond, this may be too much for a blunt instrument to understand. But arrogance and self-awareness seldom go hand in hand. So you want me to be half monk, half hitman? Any thug can kill. I want you to take your ego out of the equation and to judge the situation dispassionately. I have to know I can trust you and that you know who to trust. And since I don't know that, I need you out of my sight. Go and stick your head in the sand somewhere and think about your future. Because these bastards want your head. And I'm seriously considering feeding you to them. Let's start at the beginning because in a traditional Bond fashion, we get the do-do-do-do-do-do with the gun barrel. Hopefully we get that next week because they've kind of reestablished the character and he's not origin anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's established. Here we open up fade in from in black and white. What? What's going on here? We're in the Czech Republic and we're in Prague. And here, here we see a young Bond who's not even a double O, doesn't have his license to kill, and here he's kind of taking down a guy that's, you know, you know, a, a, a spy on the inside with MI6. And this is Bond's first uh, or second target, we find out. So once he completes this, he'll have reached double O status. What do you think of this little kind of opening? I think tonally what they want to do that's different than what Pierce Brosnan had done and more and any of the actors before him is if you want grit, if you want that, do it in black and white, yeah. do it grainy, make it violent. And make him ruthless. I think they accomplished, check all those boxes. I'm not an anti-Roger Moore, James Bond guy. Yeah. I think each one of the Bonds in their own time era had something that they brought to the character. But the Roger Moore, James Bond to me was so slick Mm -hmm. and frankly so incapable of what I think would be the physical part of the job. Mm Mm-hmm that it took a little while for the Bond franchise recovers a rough word. And I don't mean in a bad way, but recover from where he had left it. Sure. I think when you start with Daniel Craig in black and white, being told some pretty harsh things by him Mm -hmm. in a very young state, black and white Mm -hmm. feels old. You're shaking the Etch-A-Sketch clean Mm -hmm. and reestablishing this new path forward. Yeah. Quote, uh, tell me if I'm wrong here. Isn't Casino Royale yeah. the first in the books yes. that Fleming wrote or mm-hmm. Broccoli wrote? Who wrote Fleming, right? Yeah, Fleming. Ian Fleming, right? Yeah, Broccoli so, produced yeah, Fleming wrote. Yeah. I think it was 1954. He wrote this, he wrote this book and he kind of wrote it too. So he had like his own like Jamaican like retreat called GoldenEye, which you can actually go stay there like as an Airbnb or like, and it's like, like $5,000 a night or something. Wow. But uh, he wrote it kind of like in a thing, like he was going through like, like uh, he was about to get married. So 
he kind of wrote it as like, this is the life that I'm leaving behind, this kind of bachelor-esque kind of lifestyle. And so this is kind of what he came up with. Mm. But they had optioned the rights to CBS to make a little 30-minute adaptation of it mm. with Barry Nelson playing James Bond and Peter Laurie playing Le Chief. Oh, wow. And because of the, those rights, it got all kind of tight. And then they made that one in the 60s mm-hmm. with David Niven and Peter Sutton. Everyone was playing fucking Bond in that thing. And the Pink Panther. And the Pink Panther. And uh, so because of that, uh, the rights were kind of on lockdown with, with MGM. So do you remember when we did Spider-Man? I told you that insane story on how Sony acquired the rights and kind of a swatcho, a switcho changeo trade <laughs> for Bond and Spider-Man? Yeah. That's how they got Casino Royale back. Mm. So... It's 05, 04. We're moving on from Pierce. Let's go back to the roots. Let's go back to the very first thing where Bond's green. He's still figuring it out. And let's tell a, a fresh, unique story. You have much more skin in the game when it comes to Bond. Mm-hmm. But with the five names, and I'm going to remove Lazenby. Not that he's bad. Mm-hmm. I think you might argue he might be one of the better ones. His movie is one of the better ones for sure. Yeah. Okay. I think there's three versions. I think Connery... Mm-hmm. Dalton and Craig fit into a category. And I think Pierce Brosnan and Roger Moore fit into another category in the depiction of the character. Is that fair? Yeah. Rugged versus slick. Slick, one-liner, quippy. Yeah. Yeah. And they both work. Mm -hmm. I don't have problems with any of that, really. Yeah. Um, Daniel Craig, T. Dalt, as you like to call him. Yeah. (laughs) Those are some violent films. Yeah. And he's ruthless bastard mm-hmm. i think daniel craig is rekindling what he brought but you know what they're able to do with him mm-hmm. is play up mm-hmm. at times with vesper in this film the softer elements of bond that are going to get absolutely yeah they're going to get eroded that gets yeah. eroded by yeah. the time she finishes herself off in this film yeah but back to the original question let's start fresh mm-hmm. with a character that you all know about in a new way and with a new actor too yeah Credit to Paul Haggis, yeah, that did a really good job writing this script. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 three guys. Uh, it's kind of hard to say like who who did what and in what capacity. Neil Purvis and Robert Wade had been writing the scripts since Goldeneye and have kind of been writing them. I think they may have even had a hand in this this latest one as well. Um, but Haggis kind of came in to kind of really bring in more of that grit and the, those you know relationship aspects i think this is a terrific opening for the character mm-hmm. and um let's talk about daniel craig just really quickly we, we've covered him on uh knives out i think he's more than a capable actor but his casting back when it happened was kind of out of the blue i had never heard of daniel craig before and then they're like oh it's that guy from road to perdition and larry king i was like oh i've seen road to perdition mm-hmm. interesting choice uh producers you know, we've talked about, you know, Keaton getting a bad rap with his casting and, you know, Pattinson with, with that, you know, just all the negative backlash. I don't think anyone's had it as worse as Craig did. Yeah. There was a website uh, put up called craigisnotbond.com. It was just like a petition. And they, you know, they made fun of him because he wore a life jacket for his press unveiling uh, with the Royal British uh, Navy because they made him wear it so he didn't drown. If, if everyone was wearing life jackets, they joked that he needed an automatic transmission in the DB5 because he couldn't drive a stick shift. There was rumors that he wanted a gay love scene in there because that's what he liked. Um, there was the thing that he was blonde. There was also, um, oh, what was what was the last one? I'll, I'll see if I can remember it. But all these things that they're writing out in the in the press and people are writing on 
the IMDb message board just God. going crazy saying, this guy can't play Bond. Well, what are they doing here with this? I really think, uh, and listen to Craig talk about it. He's like, he's like, he's like, that was just more fuel of the fire. And he was like, this was a good movie. Like, let's go make it even better now and mm-hmm. prove to them mm-hmm. um, that this is a different type of Bond. And I think they he proves that in this opening action bit in Madagascar, mm-hmm. this parkour free-running chase sequence. And I'll tell you the moment, Matt. I, I knew the movie was going to be good uh, when... Uh, the guy, the parkouring guy, uh, leaps like through like a vent, and then Craig just runs through the drywall. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "This is different. This is good." And that that moment is almost like a shut up moment to the critics. And pay attention to what we're what we're gonna do here. What do you think of that action bit? Because not only is that a a, a franchise just highlight, that's one of the best action sequences I think I've seen in an action film period. If that's your opening, yeah, yeah. what are we in for? Mm-hmm. And I think the movie elevates the, the stakes as it continues. It's a great reintroduction to the character because there's also a moment in it that shows how smart he is too, and it's when he shoots, I forget what his structure on that apparatus, mm. and he elevators himself up mm-hmm. where the guy climbed, and he's faster. because So rugged run through the drywall. Also fairly nimble because he is parkouring it, but not in the refined way that the guy that's running is. And he's going to take a beating. I mean, and he's going to take a beating. When he, when he has to jump from that scaffolding down to the other one and Mm -hmm. he like barely (sighs) makes it and he's like hanging on and then he jumps and then he does like a, a cartwheel into like a piece of like sheet metal down there. Yeah. He's going to take his licks of a lot in this movie, but he's just going to keep pushing forward. Uh, a great opening number uh, to really set the tone of that. We're doing something different with this one. And that's something that we've come to expect with Bond films mm-hmm. is that opening chase sequence. There's always one. And it's usually more just to kind of prep the audience than it is really jump into the teeth of the story. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit different. This is more of an introduction into what's coming. But nonetheless, every Bond film you've gone to, you expect the first 10 minutes there's going to be a really great car chase yeah. or we're going to do skis or whatever it's going to be. However, we're going to have yeah, some. a lot of skis. Yeah. <laughs> In this parkour is a cool new idea. And you might argue maybe mm-hmm. that that's the most heavy action as far as physical action in the entire film. We're going to get some more battles and stairwell fights and stabbings and shootings and all of those things, car wrecks. But this is the most physical display of Bond, our new Bond, and his capable, capable, capable body. And I, and I like that. The whole film. I like that, too. I, I like that the film kind of settles into itself. And once we get to the, the poker game at Casino Royale, mm-hmm. um, it becomes a bit of a different movie. It, it, it slows down. It gets a little bit more emotional with the characters. But the stakes are ever higher than they are even in this scene here. Let's talk about the villain plot of the of the film here because it wouldn't be a Bond film without a needlessly crazy complicated plot. Yeah. Um, but not as complicated as like some of the stuff from the 80s, the T-Dalt, the, the Pierce Brosnan era. Oh, know, that's coming in Quantum of Solace. Yeah, that's it's 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 going to continue. But uh, Mads Mikkelsen, and this was the first time I seen him, and I was like, who's this guy? Mm. He's a great villain. Mm-hmm. I want to see him play more villains, and of course he's going to. Um, he plays Le Chiffre, so he's kind of like a terrorist power broker. Yeah. <laughs> God, can't believe I used that word. Uh, so he like funds like terrorist activities across the world, but essentially he's just kind of like, 
he plays fast and loose with his client's money at the mm-hmm. same time. He says, you know, at the beginning, he's like, um, Mr. White introduces these two guys together. Here's this guy from my organization. We're like, hey, what organization does White work for? We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later. But I'm going to take your money. I'm going to flip it. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to make more money. And the reason we're going to make more money is because I'm the guy in charge of this terrorist event that's going to go down to Miami airport. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he's like a house flipper, but mm-hmm. it's terrorism. <laughs> Tank the stocks on this new budding airlines. And yeah. we don't know that yet, mm-hmm. but give me your money. I promise I'll turn it back to you tenfold, mm-hmm. but I'll take my cut before I do that. Sure. Okay. So, so even Lashif's little operation seems small, but it has large intentions of how much money they want to make and how much damage they want to inflict. So this parkouring guy is, uh, the the bomb guy he's mm-hmm. like the bomb maker he's gonna go plant the bomb at miami bond finds his little phone it has the this thing called the ellipsis he's like oh that's weird what does that mean and what i really like about this film is how he traces that all back to the lobby of uh in the bahamas mm-hmm. he's able to take the timestamp on there trace it back to this moment he sees the security footage and then at that time he's able to see that this guy sent it at this very moment like that's cool like that detective cool. work yeah yeah <laughs> And if you need another moment in the film where, let's back up one second. Let's talk about him and M because I think the the Bond M relationship in everything prior to this was always just very. Here's your mission. Don't be a pain in the ass. Return the equipment. King, uh, queen and country. Don't muck it up, Bond. Mm-hmm. And here with Craig and Duty Dench, and this is going to play out in especially in Skyfall. Skyfall, yeah. Almost this mother son relationship of. I need to know I can trust you. You have your double O status, but you're a bit of a loose cannon. You just shot this guy here in in, in a Madagascar embassy. <laughs> right. Uh, it's an international incident. Like, what what's the matter with you? And I like that Craig plays it so he doesn't give a shit. Callous. Yeah. He's uh he's green. He's he's immature. Mm-hmm. And that moment there in the hotel when the guy's like Am I going to puck this car by myself? Here, you do it. And so Bond takes this guy's Land Rover and smashes it into the car. And then he just flips the keys like that. Like when he flips it, the look on his face is like, I don't give a shit. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to create chaos and I don't care how much trouble I get into because I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm kind of damn good at what I do. Cocky. Perfect setup. And because... I don't think we've ever seen Bond like cocky like this before. Yeah, he's a well assured uh, secret agent, but not like this. Yeah, you're right. The cocky bit is going to play out with the women in this film, too, because if you are that full of yourself and it's just sating your ego, mm-hmm. what better way to do that with conquest of beautiful woman after beautiful woman after beautiful woman? That happens certainly in the other films, but I don't think in those other films there's the potential for Mother Nature kicking in and feelings started to develop the mm-hmm. way it happens with Vesper in this compared to... Name whoever you want to name in any of the, the Roger Moore travails in this. Well, act. even the, the other woman, Solange, in this film. Oh, yeah. No wonder he was in such a foul mood. My mistake. Can I give you a lift home? Uh, that would really send him over the edge. I'm afraid I'm not that cruel. Well, perhaps you just had a practice. Perhaps. What about a drink in my place? Your place? Is it close? Very.
and drink. And then Bond does the like the most suavest thing. They get in the car, the DB5 that he won in the poker game, and does a loop-to-loop, and they're back at the same hotel. Like, oh, what a cool move. <laughs> and in slick. any other circumstance, Bond would bed this woman. Like, he, he would be like, we're still in the deal. But what's interesting about this is I think he's still trying to prove himself to his mother, M. Uh, and so once he gets the info that he needs, oh, my 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 husband is on a getting on a plane. He's leaving to Miami. He's like, well, I got to leave. So Bond takes off. This is his thing. So any other opportunity, he would have sex with her. Here, I still have a job to do, and I want to prove how good I am at doing that mm-hmm. without the, the leash that uh, M uh, gives me. Because as far as they know, I'm on vacation right now. <laughs> What's odd about that is the state that he leaves her in. Mm-hmm. They are in the middle of it. Yeah, right in the middle. And he orders her some caviar and a nice bottle of champagne. Chill Bollinger, yeah. Off he goes <laughs> yep. to Miami. Strange juxtaposition of places, too. That's one of the things that makes Bond such a cool character is mm-hmm. the globe trekking oh, element. Oh, yeah. Because you get to visit a lot of really unique environments. And then in those environments, you get all of the natural geography that creates cool set pieces, if you will. Mm-hmm. What better way than the way we're introduced to Bond in this film with the body electric? Sorry, Stallone, but you yeah. know I'm stealing your um, Judge Dredd and uh, that stuff. Then bodies in this Miami museum. Body worlds. Crazy. Mm-hmm. They actually, not a qualm. Yeah. There's actually more they could probably do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some <clears throat> cat and mouse that's happening. It's very, very minimal in this. It's a rather short scene. It's just to kind of move it along. But with the bodies that are around there and the way it's looking, I think there's a couple of things they could have gone there. But interesting setting for another chase, if you will. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a great, it's a great yeah. setting. And uh, yeah, have you ever been to one of those things? I haven't. I kind of want to. They're a bit odd. Yeah, it seems odd because they're actual like petrified bodies, right? Yep. Yeah, just placed in like they're like playing cards and shit. <laughs> That's interesting too, right? Because it's... Yeah, we're going to play cards later. And that's where we have the exchange that's about to happen. Yeah. Uh, no, this is this is a great setup. And then we get to Miami and we get a nice, another little pretty fun action bit here. So mm-hmm. where this plot's going here is Bond killed the bomb maker. This other guy, I don't know what his name is. Matias. Solange's husband. Yeah, Solange's husband. Dimitri. There you go. Well, the chief's like, hey, your guy got killed. You need to find me a new guy because this has to go down under 36 hours because my client's money's on the line here and we got to blow up that plane. So he hires a new guy. Bond kills Dimitri, follows the new guy to Miami, and their plan is to blow up this uh, 757 jumbo jet new prototype. Prototype for new airline. Now, this is interesting too, and we'll talk a little bit about this because M later says... After 9-11 on 9-12, people that were betting this, I don't know if this is true or not, but it's a great plot point in this movie Mm -hmm. that the people betting the wrong way on the stocks made a fortune on American Airlines and United just going in the shitter. Yep. So that's what they're going to do here. They're going to blow up this prototype. This company's stock is going to hit the tanker and that 110 million he invested from that uh, guerrilla warfare gang is going to net them a nice profit, I imagine. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're the ones doing the, the activity. Now, when we bring up 9-11, this is also interesting because, you know, the last Bond film we had was Die Another Day. This is 02. 
And Pierce Brosnan has an invisible car. Yeah. He's CGI windsurfing. Yeah. There's the Madonna. It, it got so loose with reality. And after an event like that, when everything's hyper-realistic on the news, in the world, that kind of bond ain't going to fly anymore. No. So w- them stripping the character down, and Born Identity helped this a lot too. That, And you know what I appreciate about this compared to Born is Born's a very busy movie mm-hmm. camera like it wasn't it nice that in that action bit the parkour steady yes. and we can see everything yeah but i think born's influence yep. on this reinvention was this is a new hero for a new era it's grittier the lines are more gray between our our governments and wh- where our allegiances lie we needed bond to reinvent himself they batman begins did the same thing credit to paul greengrass mm-hmm. uh, i thought the same thing last night too even the settings Later on in the film, when he's on the catamaran with Vesper, yeah, looks like a lot of the sequences with Matt Damon mm-hmm. in Born Two and Born Three. I get the names confused. It's Ultimatum and supremacy. Yep. And you can clearly see that influence. This is the kind of spy that we want. And to their credit, yeah, if that works, because we both like Bond, and I want the franchise to be successful. Yeah, it's okay to borrow. Yeah. It's not entirely reused. We're not going to see James Bond kill anybody with a newspaper. Yeah, it's that not, doesn't work. Yeah, so they didn't go that far. It, yeah, there the influence of Paul Greengrass and the success of the Bourne stuff is mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. prevalent in this film. And to their credit, yeah, way to recognize that and go with it. Absolutely. Yeah. If you want grit, I mean, that seems to be the thing of the early two thousands. Is everything got a lot grittier, a little more intense. Even horror. We've talked about that. Horror got a little more tortury in areas. Uh, but Bond did, Batman did the same thing with Batman Begins. That was the year before this one. Reinventing the character in a more realistic environment, yeah. which was echoing current times. So to them recognizing that, I think that's why it plays so well. It's less ridiculous than it had been the last 10 years. When it's the first time MGM's going to borrow from Universal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Universal's borrowed plenty from MGM too. So yeah. it's, it's fine. Yeah. Exactly. I have no problems with that. And to their credit, good job. So Bond foils this terrorist activity. The stocks go in the shitter. Yeah. So Lashif's like super nervous. And he's got a couple of cool things that he does in terms of character moments. Always puffing on that inhaler. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. And then his bleeding tear duct, which is super ominous. I want to know what happened to his eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's on. He's against the ropes. So what M tells him is Lashif, we, find, we know he's behind this. We want to talk to him because we need to know who else he's funding. And that's kind of the thing with these these Bond films is like, why don't you just kill the bad guy? I was like, no, because they give you the info on who else they're working with, so you can stop the rest of the you you don't you let one fish go and you catch the the bigger fish later. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is Blofeld Inspector is the the organization they're talking about and and referring to that's the nefarious thing is Quantum in the next film, yeah. But because of lawsuits with Thunderball, they couldn't use the word Spectre because it's tied up in legal battles. Uh, so they had to come up with a new one called Quantum. And then literally after that, a couple of years, they settled. And that's how they were able to make the film Spectre and then introduce Blofeld in that. So Interesting. The, it's Spectre at the end of the day. Right. Quantum is the makeshift name for now, but it's going to be Spectre. Right. So Lashif's setting up a high-stakes poker game to win a bunch of people's money so he can pay off his debts now. What's the buy-in? 10 mil? 
10 million. And a rebuy at five. Yeah. So 10 people in. So we're looking at a potential $150 million buy. Yeah, he's going to, he's going to try and, and he's, and we've already established that Lashif's good at cards, mm-hmm. but Bond's also good at cards as well. And this is a, another pretty cool thing from the book is Bond is a compulsive gambler in the book, but he's really good at it. Mm-hmm. There's a reason he's at the casinos until four in the morning is like, he's always winning money. So M's like, we're going to stake you in the game, see what you can do. I got a little bit more trust in you. Don't mess it up, Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And then we introduce uh, the money. I really love this. And I know you're dying to talk about this character specifically. So I can't. W- let's just get right to it. Mm-hmm. What else can you surmise, Mr. Bond? About you, Miss Lynn? Well, your beauty's a problem. You worry you won't be taken seriously. Which one can say of any attractive woman with half a brain? True, but this one overcompensates by wearing slightly masculine clothing, mm-hmm. being more aggressive than her female colleagues which gives her a somewhat prickly demeanor. And ironically enough, makes it less likely for her to be accepted and promoted by her male superiors who mistake her insecurities for arrogance. Now, I'd have normally gone with only child, but, um... You see, by the way you ignored the quip about your parents, I'm gonna have to get with Orphan. All right. Give it right back to him. By the cut of his suit, you went to Oxford or wherever. Naturally, think human beings dressed like that. But you wear it with such disdain. My guess is you didn't come from money. And your school friends never let you forget it. Which means you were at that school by the grace of someone else's charity. Hence the chip on your shoulder. And since your first thought about me ran to orphan, that's what I'd say you are. It's great. Almost like a verbal undressing of each character. Go ahead. It's not the first time we've seen Vesper. Mm-hmm. Ursula Andrus did it in, what, 67? Oh, yeah, that ridiculous one, yep. But Eva Green's an interesting choice. I don't know if that's your typical, at first appearance, Bond girl. This is Betty Davis, Kristen mm. Ritter territory, isn't it? A little bit. But, man, what she brings to the table is a very, minus the uh, fascist blonde hair and blue eyes, Hitchcockian chilling demeanor Mm -hmm. and the fact that she matches wits with him right then and there and does it so effortlessly. You either have a really tough conquest as love interest or a very capable partner, Mm -hmm. or if we find out later, someone who maybe doesn't have your best interest in heart. Sure. A very well hidden villain. Yeah. Her writing-wise, that's a great decision to make because you have different ways that even if you choose not to go all three paths, and please don't because that would make the story a mess, Yeah, my mind is going to sort of move through those opportunities, and I'm creating within myself subconsciously or maybe not subconsciously depending how present you are at the film, interest level. Mm-hmm. And then here's the other thing too. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Eva Green comes on, and is it hard not to watch her hard every time she's on the Oh, film? yeah, especially uh, that, it's, it's that black dress. No, the, the black one is oh. good. It's the purple one that does it for me. My goodness. When she comes in, she's like, I need- Eva Green. God bless <laughs> Eva Green. And <laughs> Bond's like, oh, I, I think I have the clip of it. I'll play it here in a second. Yeah. But when she shows up at the thing, I'm like, yeah, I'd bet the table. I'd be batting an eye as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's interesting because she does play a very femme fatale-like to the point where I kind of don't trust her the entire movie no. and I'm in my own best instincts in that regard. Yeah. But uh, you can see how bond would f- start falling for her. I mean, matching wits, 
I like the little just banter that they have later when they're in the cab on the way to the casino and he's like he's like he's like we'll have to keep a disguises as a married couple and he's like but it, my family's strict Roman Catholic so it'll be a two bedroom suite and he's like I do hate it when families come between us so he's trying to find ways to get in there because he's like hey it's another woman I can conquest this on my trip here but mm-hmm. it ain't gonna be that easy Bond you know what I mean right uh and she's giving it right back to him like the whole the whole way through um and then this moment which I think is pretty cool is this for you yeah Something you expect me to wear? I need you looking fabulous so that when you walk up behind me and kiss me on the neck, the players across from me will be thinking about your neckline and not about their cards. Do you think you can do that for me? I'll do my best. Thank you. I have a dinner jacket. There are dinner jackets and dinner jackets. This is the latter. And I need you looking like a man who belongs at that table. How the... It's tailored. I sized you up the moment we met. I just tell you the first time I saw this film was is actually one of such a great day. So it's it's November sixteenth, if I remember, two thousand six. Sony decides to not only release Casino Royale that day, but they're releasing the PlayStation Three Day One that day. Oh wow, good I, day for you! I ditched school, mm-hmm. got the three, played it for like half a day, went back to school, and then we had a football game we had to we had to play at. So me and my buddies we didn't get to go until like an eleven o'clock showing that night. Mm. But uh, loved every second of it. But this moment here, when he showed up and and he's in the in the tux and they played that little, there was like a collective like, woo! Like there was like a moment in the theater where everyone was just like, yeah, like he looks good in the tux. Eva Green, hook me up with your tailor because yep. Craig, not in this film, the, all his four films looks amazing in the suits they give him. They're like. I don't like loose fitting. Like I want it to like really hug up against me. Yeah. Oh, he looks great. Like his tailor's amazing. Same influence that it had on me as a young man too. Mm -hmm. Nice cars, beautiful women, great clothes. I don't really know how most people would be interested in that, but man, he's got really nice suits, but the one that she puts together for him is the best of all of them. Capital N on the letter. Nice. Really, really nicely cut. I, I don't know enough about, here we are back to British fashion again. Sure. We're visiting Cruella, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about British men's fashion to really delineate what the Oxford cut is versus of this. And like, I don't get all that. Like I get that she's decoding him and that works in so far as what her mental capabilities in the film are, but that suit she gives him. Yeah. When we go over 2000 downloads, <laughs> we're gonna go oh, we're over 2000 downloads. Yeah. When we go over 200,000 downloads, we're going to go buy some suits. My friend, that sounds great. All right. But I like how they're dressing each other. So they undress mm-hmm. each other with dialogue. Oh, and now so well said, They're Jesse. putting themselves together with, you're going to wear this dress. And, so good. And I'm going to put you in this suit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think, like, up until this point, other than Tracy and Her Majesty's Secret Service, and there's been some very capable Bond women throughout the time. Like, I've never seen one up to this point just go toe-to-toe with him in terms of wits. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Bond's always playing, like, this suave mind game. She's right there with him. You know what I mean? 
So we get to this uh, uh, poker game in the book. It's Baccarat, which I know diddly about. Um, but here they kind of changed it to like poker, which, okay, I can keep up a little bit. <laughs> Texas Hold'em, right? Texas Hold'em, yeah. So we get the buy-in. Bond enters the password. That's going to come back in a little bit later. But what about when he gets the drink? He like comes up with like this his vodka martini, essentially, which he's going to name the Vesper later. Um, and then everyone gets into it, like with 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 the with the, the wanting one because it sounds so delicious when he's asked the barman for it. Uh, I really like the the poker game. This is for a Bond film. This is a kind of a weird. 35 40 minutes that we spend here in act two yeah because it's a little slower it's a little we're just kind of sitting across from tables you know how much i love that matt uh yeah but the suspense is just like oh my god is he gonna get a is he gonna get a flush is he gonna get a this is he gonna bust is he gonna go all in like what are they gonna do here and in the middle of all that is when all the behind the scenes espionage happens the the guerrilla gang uh warfare uh fighters come like where's my money well like where, where, where where's where's it at and you know bond has to do battle with with those guys and dispose of them quickly and then we get that moment with you know bond and uh vesper in the shower where she's like really traumatized of the violence that's taking place here and bond just goes and like comforts her and consults her consoles her licks the blood off her feet and i gotta you'll never notice this you want to know cgi used in maybe a great capacity he licks all of her fingers. Like all five. All five. And when they watched it, they're like, okay, like one or two is good. Enough, yeah. Five is a little little weird. Uh, so there's a CGI dissolve that undoes that and then allows us to pull back. You would never know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's seamless. So there's the power of CGI that I like. That's good. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Foreshadowing is something that's really in play here. Mm -hmm. The fact that they are in a square ish structure doused in water, Mm. lamenting or regretting is setting us up for what's going to come later. The other part too, that's though equally important is when we see a woman struggling to remove blood from her body, you certainly have to go to lady Macbeth, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) Dressed in black and the orchestrator or the puppeteer of the man that she's trying to move in a certain direction. There's some signs out that maybe Vesper is not everything that she's cut out to be. Here's the kicker though. I do believe in the moments when Vesper is bearing herself to him. I don't mean sexually. I mean like open and, and vulnerable to him. Like in the shower scene, she's doing that because she does truly care. Oh yeah. I think so too. And when he finishes, because that's a rather off-putting thing, even if someone's in a state of stress, I can't tell you that I would really be, can you lick the blood off my fingers? Which <laughs> I don't actually think there's blood on her fingers. She's just in a bad state. Yeah. Either way, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Aggressive on his part and certainly making a move in a very vulnerable on, on a very vulnerable woman. But what's great about that? He doesn't get her out of the shower. Mm-hmm. She's cold. Yeah. He doesn't try to move her. He just takes his hand up and he moves it to warm. Now think about, and we'll get into it later, how that plays out at the end and what happens there. Mm-hmm. And the really interesting thing to talk about is how does Vesper get from, at that moment, in the shower, willing to be there, with a lot on the line that we don't even know about, mm-hmm. accepting of these small moments of compassion to 
where it is at the end with even more on the line and a greater act of compassion, yet harder, more refined, more developed, more true loving feelings for Bond, yeah. but a bigger rejection than the guy who licked your fingers in the shower. There's a, such a strange arc on the way she feels about him. I would surmise that yeah. she's doing what she does at the end of the film, maybe to protect himself a little bit, mm-hmm. protect him a little bit. Yeah. But regardless with the shower scene that you brought up, it didn't strike me till this viewing. It is the per screen geography. Yeah the same size as the elevator that she's going to sure. fall into in the water later. Absolutely. And what I like, and if this was a Roger Moore film, they would turn the water off, go to bed, seal it. Yeah. And then we're on to day two at casino winnings. Like, I like that they played the long, long game with bond here. And he's like, I'm not going to sleep with her now. She's all strung out. Like, we're going to let this play out. And that's how you see like love developing between these two, like really, intense feelings and we don't we don't we've gotten that like one other time in this entire franchise before that he doesn't try to seduce her now but just takes care of her creates a far greater moment of i genuinely care about this woman then quick one-liner i have very very nice clothes and i'm super slick roger moore like you said in the man with a golden gun uh roger moore's in bed with brett eckland and Mm. uh Ahmad Adams comes to the door, so he puts Brett Eklund in the in the closet and has sex with Maude Adams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this is the type of that type of film we're talking about. Here, it's more tender, it's really well handled, and we're setting some really heavy stakes here, only to just get everything shattered here at the end. But this poker game, I'm having a great time watching this. The suspense, the the backstabbing, they you know, Bond loses all his money. So Are you as big a poker fan in films as I am? You know I really like poker films. Are you? Do you enjoy it the way I do? I think it looks really good on film, especially if you kind of can keep up with like what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the criticisms against this film for non-poker fishing knows is they got kind of lost between it all, which mm-hmm. I understand. But if you're able to follow along, I think it's quite an intense ride. Yeah. Because you're just waiting to see, you know, who's going to come out with the best hand. Uh, set up and reveal, right? Mm-hmm. It's so simple. Yeah. It's set up and reveal. So he busts and then we're revealed to another character. So this is the CIA component that's hot on Lashif's trail. This is Jeffrey Wright as Felix Leiter, which is another Bond character staple. He's been played by like 15 different people. Um, but here's this version uh, of Felix, and they've done a good job of keeping it the same. He's shown up in a few of the other uh, uh, other films in the, in the franchise, uh, Craig's tenure. But he's like, I'm bleeding chips, man. He's like, I'll give you my stake in the game, and you, you go out and, and clean them out. And Lashif is so desperate, they try and poison him. Craig has to resuscitate himself with his new Aston Martin and the DBS. And finally, he's able to, you know, I just like when people put chips all in the table because I don't even know if I would ever have the guts to do that. You know what I mean? Like in movies, people are just like, he's like 50 million, 750,000 all in. And everyone's like, A lot of money. So much money in the pot. So this is the opportunity to to break break the bank. And he wins. Like this is the why M hired him for this particular assignment, because he's good at this particular part of the job too. For Lashif, winning means surviving, because if he loses that money, those Ugandans are waiting on floor four to kill him. Yeah. For Bond, the winning at poker isn't so much about keeping his job or living or dying. It's about, back to what you said earlier, 
the sating of that gigantic ego. Mm-hmm. Now, he's able to keep it under wraps in a formal way. It's refined. It's not brazen and in your face, except with Vesper and some lines of dialogue a little bit. But he's already been one-upped yeah. by Lashif. But mm-hmm. like Lashif kind of cleans his clock 15 minutes prior to this moment we're talking about in the film. So this is the chance to better your opposition. And, man, they do it with four really amazing hands that all four of the people are playing should probably go in. What do we have? A straight, a full house, a better full house, and then a straight flush? Yeah. Those are all really good hands. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it goes up and up and up, and when Lashif flops sixes over kings or whatever that is... um, forget what the, it's six it's jacks what it's anyway it's a it's a nice boat yeah it's like a five six and then craig comes in with the five six seven eight it's of spades spades yeah and you just see lashif sink and there's this victory bond i have bettered this banking terrorist guy do you notice how he tips the dealer like yep. a million a million do- bucks it's flips a, him a red one it's a pretty sweet gig yeah man <laughs> <laughs> no kidding yeah a really good gig I think he thinks from that now it's celebratory and that means I'm going to get the girl and the accolades and this. And lo and behold, we have no idea that Lashif, who we think now is going to be taken in by Langley because Mm -hmm. that was a deal that Jeffrey Wright made with him. Mm -hmm. Leiter made with him about, I'll give you the money. You can keep the winnings. I just want the criminal. What happens there? Mm -hmm. Because somewhere between the time that game ends and we kidnap Vesper, worth of the belief that Leiter's going to take him into yeah, custody, slipped, yes? They slipped up. Don't you think? <laughs> they slipped up. Yeah. Uh, but no, lo and behold, we move on. With the, the, the following, and then we, there's another character, his name's Mathis, and he's another MI6 kind of informant here helping Bond out, and then we're going to find out he's going to do the double cross as well. But the scene at the table post-winning is, I think, interesting as well because he's eating caviar, Bond's elated, he almost died, but what a great job I did. I finally get the woman, but I think he comes to a realization in that moment uh, with the necklace when he's like, I figured out what that is. It's uh, something, something to love, not, and it's someone gives it to someone they truly care about. And bond says that person's really lucky. lucky This is a lucky guy. I think bond is admitting defeat that. I don't know if I'm going to get to have this the way I want to, but um, almost in a respectful way, um, but him kind of putting it all on the table, you know what I mean? His feelings toward towards her in a kind of nondescript way. Only for this to all just go so south so quickly as Vesper's abducted, Bond has to give chase. They put Vesper in the middle of the road, and he yeah. flips his car like 15 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, crazy. And they did that for real, too. Not with like a guy in there, but like they actually flipped a car. I think it has the Guinness record for most car flips in a film or something. Yeah, that car tumbles. Just destroying a $200,000 vehicle. But what do you think of that scene? I was shocked that there wasn't going to be a longer car chase. It's over pretty quick. I think I was shocked about that, too. He's in it for maybe 10 seconds and then barely avoids Vesper to turn himself over and over and over, barrel roll, front over back. The car's just thrashed. And, of course, then he is, too. And this is just what we get from Lashif, the baiting of the trap, and you've stepped right into it. And then we get yeah, this scene. One hell of a torture scene. This is straight out of the book. Um they they do it exactly. So, let's just set the scene yeah. here, Matt. Uh they bring Bond who's already like super concussed, I imagine, 
Probably has some beat bro- to pieces, man. Probably has some broken bones. Sure. I don't know how you come out of that unscathed. No. They strip him, put him in a wicker chair. They cut out the bottom of it. So Bond's sitting in this thing naked, tied to it, and his balls are hanging down. So Lashif gets this like, and in the book, it's I think it's like a like a switch, like mm. like one like a whipping switch. Oh, yes, I know. Yeah, my dad. That was my dad's favorite line. You've been misbehaving. Go out in the backyard and pick a switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but in this, it's like a a sailor's knotted rope with yeah. like a blunt end. So Lashif's plan is to just whip this underneath the table, right on the testicles, and bang his balls into oblivion. Yeah, a slight f- tap hurts. Can you imagine a blunt thing is just pulverizing these things? And Bond is, <laughs> uh, for the first couple hits, is like, he's taking it like a champ. Mm-hmm. He's just like, Argh! he's just like grunting and grunting. And the chief's like, he's like, I'm going to make you pay, man, like mm-hmm. this. Uh, and then and then we get this nice little exchange here. <laughs> now the whole world's going to know that you don't scratch your fucking balls. <laughs> well, I died... I died? Yes. Because no matter what you do, I'm not going to give you the password, which means your clients are going to hunt you down and cut you into little pieces of meat while you're still breathing. Because if you kill me, there'll be nowhere else to hide. But you are so wrong! Because even after I slaughtered you and your little girlfriend, your people would still welcome me with open arms. Because they need what I know. I think we learned an important thing about Bond in this moment up until he hears Vesper scream right there, which is his loyalty. Like, I'm going to let you kill me, man. Cause I'm not going to give you what you, what you want. That's kind of, I think the spy thing is if I had cyanide, I would have taken it already. Uh, you're not, you're not pumping me for information. Absolutely brutal. This scene is, is incredibly off putting when they show very little, you know what I mean? It's all very suggestive. You get it though, man. <laughs> you get it for sure. Uh, to Mads Mickelson, who's, really good as a bad guy Mm -hmm. and a bit different here this isn't quite the strategist this is physical rival yeah (laughs) to daniel craig's balls Mm -hmm. i guess all right uh yeah that's a brutal torture and the destruction of one's balls with the rope is bad enough but even sitting in the chair with the wicker bottom cut out how do you even sit in that jesse i don't know the point I'm making is the whole thing is entirely uncomfortable to watch. Mm-hmm. And then here's the thing upon post view when Vesper's in the other room, crying, screaming, shrieking, is that all put on? I think so. It is right. Mm-hmm. We're going to find out later that the ties to what we don't know as quantum, AKA specter, but yeah. orchestrated through Lashif's financial dealings. Those are his big bosses. Those are his big bosses. Yeah. And She's working with him. Now, at this point in the film, I think we're led to believe that Bond has decoded that Mathis is the double agent. Mm-hmm. And I almost wish they don't walk this back in latter films. I wish they had left both of them compromised. Oh, they do quantum. kind of rescue the the Mathis character yeah. to a certain degree. Sure, But his girlfriend, who's not, because he still hasn't sealed the deal with her, mm-hmm. is about to meet her terrible destruction in the other room yet when he starts to come to the table with okay i'm gonna give you the information you need 
it's done because he genuinely still cares about her. And yeah. it's the first time that you and I know that Bond's advances have ever been shot down by a woman in any Bond film. Is that fair? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's... So back to what you asked me way at the beginning. Yeah. We start black and white. We shake the edge she gets clean, and we have a nice blank slate. Yeah. The Bond who is scorned is not angrily scorned, accepting of the unrequited advances, but yet still protective of the woman that he admires. This is a different Bond. Oh, yeah. Rugged but loving. Absolutely. That's all so well done. And you know what hinges on all this torture and killing of people and manipulating people is a six-digit password. You know what I mean? This uh, is all the chief wants is the is the password to get the money. He's with, and that's what and that's what Spectre wants too. They want the password so they can get the money as well. Mm-hmm. And we don't get that until later. So we have to keep Bond alive because it's in his brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's like I was like, I was like, a Spectre could just come in and kill Bond too and take the money, but like, wait, they can't. It's in a Swiss bank account. They need the password to get it out. Mm-hmm. And it's her name. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's even that much more tender. So Mr. White comes in, this agent of Spectre, he kills Lashif. Bond is in a concussive state of two weeks, probably, of mm-hmm. recovery. When he finally has some sense of coherence, they deposit the money, uh, and he really bears his soul to Vesper at this point. It's just like, I have nothing left to give. Um, you've taken my armor from me. Yeah, you've taken my armor. Like, that that shield isn't up anymore. And so she's like, hey, let's, let's kind of see. But then it's the scene in at the beach uh, that really seals it for me. And he, we have never had a scene like that. Even in Under Majesty's Secret Service, we have those moments. Uh, nothing quite like this. Does everyone have a towel? Yes. Everyone. Everyone except you. I wonder if that's why I love you. You love me. Enough to quit and float around the world with you until one of us has to find an honest job. But I think that's going to have to be you because I have no idea what an honest job is. You're serious. Like you said, you do what I do for too long and there won't be any soul left to salvage. I'm leaving with what little I have left. Is that enough for you? Strings. Can I give you mine? Yeah, go ahead. It's my version of that same Mm -hmm. bit that moved you like the one. When the Swiss banker shows up and Bond puts Vesper or tells Vesper the password is Vesper, you can use that now to transfer the money. Mm -hmm. She is so rocked by that Mm -hmm. that she sits in the chair next to him. Yeah, she's really. And she's crying. And then she looks back at him with a really odd line. Yeah. And the line is, there was nothing left of you. Little finger in your smile. I want you to know that there's more man in your little finger in your smile than anyone else or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. I butchered that line. It's something like, if all that was left of you was your smile and your little finger, I want you to know that there is more man in that than any man that I've ever that I've ever known. Yeah. And then he says, well, that's because you don't know what I can do with my little finger. And that's, that's the Roger Moore peeking in. (laughs) That's rounding the edges on that, but what still isn't... She's in full tears at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we come to find out what we know about Vesper, in a bit of an exposition dump by M at the end that yeah, yeah, they yeah. probably could have saved for reveal later in the film. Yeah. Because we do meet her boyfriend later in the films, too. 
in the next one, yeah. Yeah. Then she, her boyfriend being uh, Vesper's real boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I think she realizes she's missed. Mm-hmm. And there isn't a way back. So there is a time element. The two of them have been granted until Quantum, Spectre, chases her down with whatever threat they're going to use in order to get her back in the fold. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know that yet. But that sounds exactly like the Bourne stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. So regardless, terrific acting by Eva Green. And at this point, I really believe that for her to emote or if we get that response, that elicited response from him using her name as the password, yeah, she truly loves him back. Sure. So now we've got a love triangle in a Bond film. And you said the film changes when we sit to the poker scenes. Yeah. The film changes now. We're in the middle of a, a rom- rot romance, Here aren't we? we? Are. And the, the reason I like the the scene on the beach just as much, that's that's such a great scene there. And then they, you can have me anywhere. Both those are great. Everywhere, yeah. Is after this, like, whatever this is, a two-week tawdry love affair, just having sex all the time, and just so madly in love. Joyous, though. Yeah, joyous. They're, they're, they're truly into each other. Bond's like, fuck my career and this job. I'm going to quit. We're just going to we're gonna do it together, you and I, and we'll, we'll figure out how we're going to make a living. You know what I mean? I'm willing to give up that part of my life just so I can be with you. I bet all the other Bonds, when they saw this, because they were all living still when this film came out, were probably saw that scene and were probably like, God Oh, damn brother. No, no, they probably saw it and were like, God damn it, we couldn't get a scene like that? You, oh. know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. We couldn't get something as tender and as like heartfelt as what he got to do, <laughs> they were probably pretty jealous. Eva but, Green has another line in there too that's, I think, really important to see if she's telling the truth or not. And it's somewhere along the lines of, I love how every time you open your eyes and look at me, it's like the first time you've seen me or mm. some some yeah. acknowledgement of the way he looks at her and how it makes her feel. And from that point forward, her interaction with him is schoolgirl love affair. Yeah. She can't hold his hand enough, and every time she looks at him, it's just sparkle, sparkle, smiling, loving, joyous, stuck in the limerick of, I have found the man of my dreams. And what's crazy about this, Jesse, we know she's going to fuck him over. Well, let me ask Let me ask you. Yeah, absolutely. So as much as I want to believe that, because I want to believe that love can happen for Bond Listen to me. This is like so gross. <laughs> I want to believe that Bond can love like that so hard and so pure. Yeah. But there is that element of, is she just really good at what she does? Because we did see the steely Vesper on the plane that matched wits with him with mm-hmm. what he wore and his orphanage versus her orphanage. Let me ask you Great this. Great character. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Let me ask you this. Cause I had, I had read the book before this film had come out and, uh, you know, when Bond's typing up his resignation on the boat, it was just like, oh, God, is this movie really going to end? Like, did, what was your kind of expectations going into this final sequence in Venice? Did you kind of think something was up? Did you kind of think this this can't end so tenderly as it is right now? Or were you fully in it? What did you think? Well, I didn't know that there were more films planned with him. I knew that they weren't going to kill the Bond franchise. Yeah. I thought what was going to happen is that they would let them sail off into the sunset and in, like, Born 2 wipe her out Undo in an assassination then. scene at the beginning of the next film. Fucking born to. <laughs> that sends that sends him off on some quest for revenge. Sure. Um, the one thing that made me also think that, 
I know him and Judy Dench M have a nice relationship, mother son, as you stated. Mm-hmm. I do feel like he. I mean, he's just resigned. He's never in this series all the way back in with MI6. He's real. He feels very fringy. One foot out the door. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And because of that, I thought, well, well, his is it's like his organization, like, and this kind of this, screws him over a lot. And this has a lot to do with it. What's about to happen to his yeah. trust levels about to go to a like a minus ten. Yeah. Uh, and then especially Inspector when and gives the kill shot that kills him off the train. Like, of course I'm not going to trust these people. They're trying to kill me. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So him coming back, you're so right. Me, Craig's pers- uh, portrayal of Bond is one foot out the door, one foot in. And like, what are you getting with that? Like, who's who's getting which version of him? Well, you read the book prior to seeing the film, so you knew what was going to happen. What did you think when he sends, I, you know, willingly submit my resignation, whatever the well, hell he said, my bang, in- enter. My infinite franchise wisdom could be like, they can't just no. undo the character like that. There's more adventures to tell, so they'll undo that, but... But oh. you could do it as Merc instead of agent yeah, they, for the government. Yeah, they could do it in, in, a, in a different way. But I knew how it ended, and I was like, "There's the 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 the, the twist is is coming." Is the movie and book very similar in this manner? Uh, the the betrayal is uh, this kind of pretty elaborate Venice uh, takedown. Is this is a Paul Haggis addition to it? Because okay. we got to have it be exciting. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, it happens at like at a beach house in Venice in the book, and it's. She kills herself, and that's kind of it. Mm. So that's something, you know what I mean? Like mm. her com- self-committing suicide to say, I'm not going to give you this trauma. And and she kind of self-sacrifices here in the end. But the love affair continues, and they're going to go withdraw money and sail around the world. What a great life. And then Bond gets the call from men. Are you going to deposit that money later today, and we'll talk about your letter? Because we still need you, Bond. That's funny. I thought I had deposited already. Something's amiss here. And so we find out that he he's able to track, you know, the the text message, meet in 30 minutes. And so Bond's like, where is she going? What's she doing? And this creepy guy with his glasses with an eye patch in one side. And Bond realizes now he's like, there's a betrayal afoot here. Like, she doesn't mean anything she says. Because we get that line when we're about to go into the house. And he says, stop or I'll kill her. And Bond's like, allow me? You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's done at that point. Done. He's like, you betrayed me. Like, there's nothing you can say that can kind of undo what, what you've just done. So, kind of a cool action bit here. Like I, don't, like, I don't know the full plausibility of what those flotation devices are for, but I think they might be to keep the houses from sinking. Yes. <laughs> uh, but once they all start going up, this house just starts caving into the, the thing. What a cool little claustrophobic, like, building to do an action bit in. And if Craig hadn't had enough, I mean, he gets shot with a nail gun and jumps. But we get that moment. He disposes of all these bad guys because they're no match for him. And Vesper's in this elevator shaft and then locks the door and, like, beckons in and then ends up drowning. Bond tries to get her out, and she's like, don't save me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know what I did was bad, but you kind of don't know why I did it. And I can't, I can never explain that to you. I got to tell you, though, some great drowning acting from Eva Green. Like, I, I don't know what drowning would look like in reality because that sounds like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty good the way she does it. The only other person I've seen good was Kurt Russell's drowning death in Poseidon. I was like, did they kill Kurt Russell? Because <laughs> it looks like they're, like, taking in water. Like, I don't know how you fake that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, her, like, glassy-eyed look of 
I'm like, geez, like that's that's not fun. <laughs> and his frantic action to try to get that door open. And you know what I love about it too? He just misses by a couple of seconds. He does get her out. Yeah. Because we get there, the two of them emerging from the foam outside the wreckage of the building. And he tries like the hell to get her back, but he can't resuscitate her. And then you get that really, again, kind of awkward moment with his mouth, but it's done out of genuine compassion where it's somewhere between trying to give her CPR and kiss her goodbye. Yeah. Fuck, that's pretty heartbreaking, man. Yeah. And that's not something that I was ever used to in Bond. And that's why. Oh, no way. No, the Roger Moore films were always ending. Do you remember the ending of Moonraker where like him and... Lois Childs are having sex in zero gravity and Q's like, he's a, I think he's attempting re-injury, sir. Like, that's the type of ending you get in a Bond film. You don't get this. No. Jesus. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. Eva Green's really good in this film. Yeah. And that moment with her big, big, big eyes yeah. and her mouth agape, you can just feel it in her hair yeah. kind of drifting behind her. Mm-hmm. At the back of that elevator, because all she has to do, Jesse, is go like this, and he'll pull her out. She doesn't. He gets, she doesn't want to be pulled out, though. And we come to find why. Yeah, but yeah. We get the exposition dump from him here. You don't trust anyone, do you, James? No. Then you've learnt your lesson. Get back as soon as you can. We need you. Will do. If you do need time. Why should I need more time? Job's done. The bitch is dead. James. Ouch. Did you ever ask yourself why you weren't killed that night? Isn't it obvious? She made a deal to spare your life in exchange for the money. I'm sure she hoped they would let her live. But she must have known she was going to her death. And now we'll never know who was behind this. The trail's gone cold. That's the last line of the book. The the last line of Casino Royale is the bitch is dead, period. Mm. And it ends. Uh, to further complicate what's going on here, I'll, I'll tap a little bit into Quantum of Solace. So what we find out is Vesper is in a relationship with a man. I think his name's Yusef. Yep. And he's an agent of Spectre. Mm-hmm. And his whole ploy is he, he scrounges up all these relationships with these like vulnerable women they fall in love. He gets quote unquote kidnapped by Spectre, and uh, the blackmail is you. You can get your lover back, but you got to go do this for us. And it's usually a thing of betrayal. So Vesper's thing of betrayal is this thing with Bond right now uh, to save her other lover. So she does care about that guy. But I'm with you, Matt. Like in this thing with Bond, she's falls for him hard. So I think she feels uber guilty about what she's put him through, how it had to happen. So when she turns the key and drowns herself, I think that was the only out for her at that point that wasn't going to end in heartbreak. So I couldn't say that any better. Yeah, you're right. And brutal. I mean, and then here's the thing with Bond. I mean, 22 films in, I think 20, this is 20 film 21. I think in the franchise Bond's had sex with so many women, yeah. Three or four. I think he has like an eight some in Armand and Majesty's Secret Service. Like it. <laughs> Running through some women. A ton. Yeah. And so the knock against Bond's like, oh, he's a misogynist and this. And there's a great line in Goldeneye where M calls him a misogynist. Uh, you're a sexual misogynist dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War. Like, what a great line for him to tell Bond, the Judy Dench, him to tell Brosnan. Mm-hmm. But when this happens to him, you kind of understand why he would just 
have zero emotional connection with any woman he comes in contact with because if I put a slight attachment to anybody, that's going to happen again. You know what I mean? So they set that up. The Fleming set that up great in that first book, and they do that here, whereas his trust level is at a minus 10 with women, government, everything like Bond. I, I don't know if he's necessarily in a better place than when the film started, but he's in a more mature place for sure. He's got a lot of forces that are working against him for him to be so distrustful. MI6 is not trustful, and you are very disposable insofar as they don't need you anymore. Goodbye. If you take that into account, and then you take into account anybody that I care about is going to be stripped from me, which is painful, and then take that to another level, which is if I'm in pain because my person has been stripped from me, then I'm even less capable of protecting myself because I'm distracted. It makes sense. Well, don't you don't you think like I'd rather have a one night stand than get into a, an emotional conundrum yeah. like this again? Like this sucked. And he seems to be. Let's be frank about it. Yeah. With Solange and then the unattainable yet attained Vesper. Yeah. Really good at it. Yep. So, and I kind of feel bad for him at the end. of How this can you thing. not? I know it's just he's been, and that's I think the lesson. I love that it's an origin tale. Is Bond has some growing up to do and two hours 20 minutes and i think we see that the truth is everybody he resigned from his job for vesper Mm -hmm. he turned in his official letter of resignation for this woman only to have her in the most lovingly compassionate way that's ever been done the most lovingly compassionate backstab yeah this is not phyllis dietrichson although phyllis dietrichson does finally come around to walter at the end of double indemnity Sure, yeah she has to do it because i think as much as I care about Vesper in this in this film, it's a little bit of cowardice. If she just gave it all to Bond, yeah. if she said, look, this is the story and here's the situation I'm in, yeah. I'm pretty sure he could fix it for her. Yeah. He'd go on a vengeance or try. tour, you know what I mean? And the two of them together would be a very formidable couple, but nonetheless, none of that happens. And It's that sense of distrust, like you said. If, if Craig's tenure in your eyes is... This guy kind of seems like he's he's like ready to bounce at like a second thing. It's because of this moment right here. You said something earlier that I think I would like to talk about for a minute, okay. and that's the armor. Okay, yeah. James Bond has armor. Mm-hmm. I don't mean metaphorically. He has an armor, and it's the clothes that he wears. If you take the line that she said, and your armor's back up, and he says, I have no more armor with you, mm-hmm. and look at the way he's dressed... From that point forward, it is far more dressed down. Domesticated. And Mm -hmm. with the two of them together in this six, seven minutes, it's a few scenes, a lot of implied intimate or nakedness, which would be sans armor stripped. Sure, yeah. So they're really taking her ability to break this man down to a vulnerable state and him willingly doing so because he's all in with her to the point where... He gives away the fine suits. He gives away the linen button-down Cuban smoking shirt. (laughs) And he kind of, like, to the point when he's driving her on the boat when she sees the guy that's got the sunglasses with the the dark Mm -hmm. patch on the same right eye that... um, um, Blowfell. And Lashif had, too. Oh, yeah. An injured eye. eye. What's up with that? Yeah. He's in a gray t-shirt and blue jeans. Yeah, it's real simple. <laughs> and probably a pair of like, you know, Don't Chuck you. Taylors or something. <laughs> yeah. Way dre- like dad-ish. Yeah. Might we? 
Daddish in a sense of bond with his like Prada, Prada really awesome Prada, daddish Prada designer glasses. Yeah, <laughs> she's getting to him. Yeah, big time. And he's willingly letting it happen. And that armor line is big because one woman in the entire pantheon of of Bond's conquests, his hall of his justice, has his, broken him down to this. She's the one, and, and it, it's his first one. If yeah. this is an origin tale, it's know, his first God, one. I know, you know what I mean? Like, how could you, like, trust anyone? Like, you'd be ruined. That's such a great way to go, because then the misogynistic nature, if that's off-putting for you, is at least justified to, maybe not as a good behavior, but rational action, because we saw what happened. It's a mental fuck up for him. Like it's he, there, there you go. He's like he's in such a headspace of not wanting to go down that road again. So why form emotional attachments with any of these women that he's with? You know what I mean? And as silly as this sounds for the short time that I know Vesper on the film or in the film, I kind of love her too. Mm-hmm. She's just lovely. She's lovely. That's a lovely character. Yeah. Evil as hell. <laughs> but I kind of I get it. I fall for I her do, too. I do too. Yeah. Let's talk about the final scene. Okay. So Vesper left him a little breadcrumb clue yeah. to. Yeah, I did, one more thing to like, I wasn't really all that bad. It just, fuck. Yeah. She, yeah. Right, and, if, and if you want to pursue where this goes, here's the guy's number. So yeah. it's Mr. White, agent of quantum slash specter. Mm. And he's at some like whatever villa in Spain. And Bond puts like a bullet in his thigh and. Okay, we got to talk about this, Matt, because in moments of screenwriting, I don't know who this was, if this was Purvis Wade or Paul Haggis, but Bond walks up to him and another just three-piece suit looking to the nines. Comes up to him, lords over Mr. White, and then the final line of the film is, my name is Bond, James Bond. Cut to credits. Whoever came up with that line, I bet, was patting themselves on the back for months that they're like, we're going to end our origin film with the famous line of this franchise you know what i mean like so good that's a back pat like i want to know who it was because i bet they were so proud of themselves yeah <laughs> when they came to that moment of writing you know what i mean like when we come to a moment of writing we're just like yeah that's great like high fives that, that this is that like what if we ended the movie with his name's bond james but oh my god <laughs> so good he's fully developed and he's now on the scene the character's here yeah with a cliffhanger, so you know more's coming. Mm-hmm. This white character, there's a lot we have to decode here. Sure, yeah, because he's the father of the girl that uh, that he's kind of with right now, uh, Madeline Swan. Mm. So really, yeah, no, and yeah, Spectre's a mostly pretty forgettable film, but he goes to like a shack in like the tundra, and that's she's the he's the father of Leah Sado's character, the one that he ends up with that he kind of gives it up uh, again mm-hmm. for. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a relationship with this guy here, but we cut to black. We get the James. We and that's the thing, you know. Usually the Bond films have like da 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 throughout. Like not in this film, we get variations on the Chris Cornell song, but the end credits we finally get it, and it plays us out until we walk out of the parking lot and we're yeah clapping, applauding, trying to figure it all out. But mm-hmm. let's see if I have uh, any other little things. You know who was desperately close to being bond like it like craig was in conversation a lot but henry cavill was super close to being casted at mm. this point mm. which yeah. has the look yeah i don't know if he has the acting chops that craig brings you know what i mean man from uncle right we saw that yeah and saw a version of that Not sure great. uh 150 million dollar budget uh 
$616 million gross. So this smash made, hit. It was the unadjusted for inflation. It was the biggest Bond film of all time until Skyfall a couple a couple of years later. But uh, what's your favorite tasting note of Casino Royale? For all of the things that are the action bits in this, and that includes the parkour, the raw expression between him and Green when she discovers that Vesper's the password, the part I talked about, is the part that really moves me. And it's two terrific actors all in on the characters. I believe it 100%. I love that. Of all the things in the Bond film. I know, right? That's the one that always resonates. The quietest moment of the film, yeah. I used to teach this film in, in class. Yeah. And we would break that scene down a lot and is weird because there's so many things in a Bond film to talk about that that's the one that we would sort of talk about chemistry and acting. And I guess I'm talking about it again now. That's how powerful that is. Great pick. Yours. I'm going to pick that opening parkour yeah. chase sequence because I've, I, I don't do this a lot anymore because... But when I was in high school, like I would get attached to like movies and I would follow their production like religiously. Dark Knight was another one, Casino Royale, um, and there there was a few other films. So like I was like every week I was like getting like the updates on like what are they doing this week? What are they doing that week? What are they doing this? So like I was very invested in how much the public wasn't on board with Craig as Bond, and I was like I'm I kind of want to see what he has to offer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's that sequence that I think is the shut up sequence of this film. Like put it to bed. He's bond. He can do it. And it's the drywall bit. You know what I mean? Like he mm. busts through that thing and it's just like, this is, this ain't Pierce Brosnan, man. This is like, this is something, this is another beast. Yeah. And let's buckle up because I don't know what this is going to offer us. Good. What's the, Oh my God. We need to have some more barrel bourbon to rinse our taste of that moment. A lot you, to pr- probably pick from, right? You mentioned it. Eva Green, as she takes her final gulp of water her in the elevator, face. <laughs> her eyes get so big, saucer-sized eyes, mm-hmm. and that mouth is this vacuous hole. Yeah. She, she's dying, man. I don't know how they filmed that. And then you go from that to his frantic action as he's trying, and she's just out of his fingertip grasp. He just can't quite get her. That moment is really hard Brutal. to watch. Yours. I think it's the torture scene because when, cause when I, I read that in the book, because I you know like Costco had put out this great set of, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's like 15 or 16 yep. of the books. The whole set. I think I got it in like 04. So before this. Almost bought my father-in-law that for Christmas. Yeah. Year. yeah. And uh, I, I think I had made it to through like the first three or four by the time this film came out. So I was well aware of this scene and I was like, are they going to do that in this movie? And there's the, also in there. Le Chiffre has like a hammer with like uh like nails on it and he's like playing with like his nuts, like with, with the naily hammer. Aye. Yeah, right? So I was like, are they gonna do that in this movie? And they did, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, it's brutal, it's intense, what it means, and it's it's Mickelson and Craig acting the hell out of that scene. Great moment. Uh who's the master distiller in Casino Royale? A lot of choices here, but I'm gonna give it to Eva Green today. Good. Um, that's my favorite Bond girl. Um, yeah, we talked about it for an hour and a half now. I think she's great. Great choice. No, it's a great character. I think, yeah, she's in the upper pantheon of Bond women for me. Like, it's like what her character means to the growth of this character is like, it can't be said enough. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a great performance. It was the first time I'd ever seen her too. And then I had seen, I've seen her in other films, uh, since, 
and whatnot. I haven't really seen her in a movie recently. You know what I mean? Like, what happened to Eva Green? <laughs> we have sound for that. Well, Let's, don't bomb. No, don't bomb her. That's so mean. No, I'm yeah, not going to no. let you do that this week, too. No. She did, um, what was that? Uh, she was in Sin City, Dame to Kill for. That Josh Hartnett show that on Showtime. Oh, Penny Dreadful. That's she's, right. She had a pretty good run there. Yeah. And she's got something now that's uh, episodic television. I'll look it up in a minute. You know what I read? The coolest thing I ever read about Eva Green was that, like, she was never into, like, the glitz and glam of, like, the Hollywood life. And, like, her favorite night in was, like, curled up with, like, a book and a glass of wine. You know what I mean? Like, that was her ideal, like, night. You know what I mean? I was going to leave this podcast <laughs> absolutely in love with Vesper Lind as well. Exactly. I got to give it to Craig. Yeah. This first film, I was already ready to crown him as, like, I think this guy might be the best Bond. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Connery... Dalton, Lazenby, Moore, Brosnan, like this guy set himself apart from those guys so much in one entry. And it, it's really tailored to be that with an origin story. Mm-hmm. But I loved his performance. I thought it was it was great. It was tragic. It was intense. It was cocky. It was action-filled. It was, you know, you felt the betrayal. And when the film ends, I was like, I want more. Like, I can't wait to see him be Bond for... Here's the crazy thing, and this is why I think I'm in such a emotional flux with no time to die next week. Oh, six bond. He's been bond for almost more than half of my life. I was a sophomore in high school when this film came out and I'm 32 now Wow, going to be 32 this month. <laughs> yeah. Coming. And he's doing his final one. You know what I mean? Like he's been this character for such a large part of my life that I feel this attachment to it. So to say goodbye to it next week is going to be like, it's going to be a little weird. You know what I mean? It is. Yeah, man. So I, it's, it's, it's been something like T Dalt only did two. Lazenby did one. You know what I mean? Dalton's tenures or uh, Pierce Brosnan tenures only six years. Like mm-hmm. this is, you know, COVID helped that, you know, delaying this film two and a half years, but I'm ready for it. Um, I think Craig's been a very good bond for this franchise and just more evocative of why this franchise has been able to continue for, what is it now, 60-plus years? They're able to pick actors that fit the mold and play this character in different... Like, you don't want to see five Roger Moores and you don't want to see five Sean Connerys. You want to kind of see a guy do it differently each time, and we're getting that with Craig, so to that. Do that. Mm-hmm. And to Cary Grant for not taking the role for passing, he do it. Yep, because it then then Sean Connery never gets it, and, and we have a very different mm-hmm. tenure. And it, it, Cary mm-hmm. Grant was already pretty old up there. You know what I mean? He was mm-hmm. pushing sixty a little bit. How are you going to rate and grade Casino Royale? We have Rock Cut, Well Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. My favorite Bond film in the entire twenty six films now. This new one's twenty five. Twenty five yeah. films. This is number one for me. Top Shelf. Great acting. Um, yeah, I love it. This is a film that I can watch over and over mm-hmm. and over. And I pick up something new sure. every time I watch it. It leads into the discussion, which is how frustrating Quantum is, because Quantum is going to spin me out for two more films to where <laughs> I guess I'm back on board with Skyfall, but I'm so eye-roll ready after Quantum that I can't... That's and what- I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go again before next week. Like I'm going to... I'm going to force myself to sit through Quantum this week yeah. and Spectre and Skyfall. I'm going to do the rest of them as well, yeah. Just so I'm ready. Yeah. Because you got to finish this story. But. I think the one that they've been saying that you should watch before this one is Spectre is the one that you need to remember those things going into this one. But so I can skip Solace, Quantum of Solace? I don't know. I mean, we may as well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, just to see the journey. But, but I, no, back, I love it. It's, it's my favorite Bond film. 
top shelf for me too. Uh, prior to us, you know, discussing this, I had to think about all the Bond films I've watched. Uh, I was like, this, I think this is the one I've seen the most. Uh, I've, I've watched it, you know, I saw it like four times in the theater. Yeah. I've seen it a lot, you know, just at home with my parents, you know, it's one I'm always just constantly putting on. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it was the bond, much like I said in our DC tournament thing that Batman begins was the Batman film that I knew I always wanted, but I didn't know I wanted it until I got it. That's this for bond. Mm, you know yeah, what I mean? Well said. Yes. Uh, I knew I was always happy with bomb, but I never knew that I wanted this film as much as I had until I had it. And then it was, it was just a perfect viewing experience. 11 o'clock at night, you know, one of those, like, I don't like the midnight showings. Mm -hmm. I've done a few in my time and they're, they're a bit laborious, but this 1130 Friday night screening, it gets out at almost two o'clock. I was just ecstatic when it ended. You know what I mean? So it's a good story. Uh, to that, yeah, this was great. I'm glad, you know, I know we wanted to spend more time with Bond, but if we could only do a small sample size, this was a great one to just mm. get in the weeds with. But mm. what about this nightcap question? some horns oh yeah never have to ask me that <laughs> nightcap question i was kicking around the idea of silhouettes in the opening sequence because that's a big part of bond films and then you kind of helped me shape this into let's do great opening sequences from film spirit opening title sequences inspired by the swimming or dancing. Which there's or none of that in this one. Not in this one. It's, it's him. It's crazy. Killing people with spades <laughs> and hearts and guns. <laughs> yeah, totally different. Can, can I just say that I think there's an art to the opening title sequence. Yeah. Uh, you know, even like someone that I just worship, Nolan, is just like, no, I'm starting my movie. I'm saving the credits for the end. Yeah. And then even the Marvel Universe, that has become a whole thing of the end credit sequence. So. Yep. Not every film does it, but the films that do it, they do it pretty well. I can't wait to hear your top three because when I started thinking about it, I was like, oh my God, I think I could do like a top 30. Mm -hmm. There's so many good ones out there. Mm -hmm. What's your number three? Vertigo. Great one. It's a simple one. There's not a lot to it other Saul than Bass. Saul Bass, great music, and the kaleidoscope spinning effect of whatever those geometric shapes are <laughs> that eventually end up in not Kim Novak's nigh. Are you? Are you <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's not her. But are that, you ready to get spun out by a movie? Because that's gonna that does it for you. Slow and sleepy and dizzy, kind of like that whole film. Great choice, Vertigo number three. What's yours? Superman the movie. Oh wow! Uh, wow, it's, really? It's the blue letters flying at you yeah. as we're flying through space until we get to the planet Krypton, or as Krypton as Marlon Brando would say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? But what's over that is John Williams' march. That's amazing. And you know what's crazy about that sequence? It's about five and a half minutes of credits. And wow. we're just listening to music and watch letters fly at us. But, oh, my God, that's it's it's such a great way to start that movie. And you know what I'm talking about. The do-do-do-do-do-do, and they're flying at you. Mm -hmm. My number three. Good choice. Yeah. Well done. Number two, L.A. Confidential. 
Mr. Danny DeVito from Hush Hush giving us the reading of his latest piece in the editorial magazine, this tabloid trash rag that he writes. Mm. But in very typical film noir fashion, it's a voiceover that sets the stage for what's about to come. Mm. So there you go. Great one. Yeah, L.A. Confidential. It's yours. My number two, The Shining. Oh, man. I know we did this film, and we there was we had a lot of different differentiating opinions on it, but that opening bit of the helicopter tracking footage of Jack and his VW bug driving to the Overlook with boom, 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 and the letters are just going up like this. Yeah. So eerie. Like, if you want to know, like, what kind of movie we're watching, that's the type of movie you're watching. You're going to watch a weird movie, people. You'll know right away. <laughs> Good choice. Yeah. Oh man, which I found, which I found out, I I can't remember if it's for the Blade Runner director's cut or for the original theatrical release. But Ridley Scott tapped into B-roll material that Kubrick shot to complete his fucking unicorn Decker driving away ending. Huh. It's footage from The Shining. That, no shit, that Kubrick shot. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, from the Warner Brothers vault. You remember when they used to make good movies, Matt? I do. <laughs> I hadn't been this year. Hmm. What's your number one? It's a Fincher film. Can I guess? Yep. Seven. Nope. Oh. Dragon Tattoo? Yep. Oh. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It's a very Bond opening. Very Bond opening if Nine Inch Nails decided they were going to shoot the score for it. Great choice. So. Immigrant song. Yeah. uh, You know, that's not a band that I love. I'm not a Zeppelin guy. Um, And I don't even particularly love that song, but that is just so... Matrix meets porn meets violence meets mm-hmm. uh, oils oil and, like computer equipment. Yeah, it's cra- so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's actually better than the movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like that movie. It's a little too long in my book, but Daniel Craig. You know what I mean? Yeah, Seven's also really good. That Seven um, opening is like, because what song is that? Right? It's uh. Uh, it's a Nine Inch Nails song. It is a Nine Inch Nails song, but it's almost like... You ex- let me closer to... Is it... Uh, closer to God, yeah. Hurt you. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, all that, the footage splicing of Doe cutting off his fingernails and mm-hmm. then putting all this... Like, that's... Even the Fight Club one's pretty good, too. Yeah. Where we come up on, like, the gu- the gun. You know my number one. It's Halloween. Yeah. The slow black lit zoom in on a pumpkin with the little nose slit, and we just get orange credit titles with carpenter's theme what a great what a great way to start that that mm, movie mm-hmm. props to halloween too when we get the same thing but the pu- pumpkin splits and we get that skull in the back <laughs> yeah yeah any honorable mentions two uh, okay the player okay do you remember the player oh yeah is it is it the backlot tour the backlot and it's the two pitches that they hear mm. and one is the pitch that's out of africa meets pretty woman starring goldie hawn and Having been in a space where we've yeah. tried that yeah. with no pitches that are that bad, yeah, um, can relate to it. And it's just so Robert Altman and satirical on Hollywood. And someday we're going to do that film, and I can't wait. Great choice. And then the other one is The Naked Kiss. Mm. You ever seen that film? Samuel Fuller, right? Beats it. This pro. This pro beats the shit out of her pimp. Mm. Uh, takes the money, but not more than the money because she doesn't want to feel like she's indebted to him or that he owes her more than what she worked for. But in the process of this fight, her wig falls off. And she's standing there with this cue ball-like head, and then we go to the mirror and watch her put the mirror back on and redo her makeup. And that is one off-putting moment. The naked kiss. Great choice. Honorable mentions for you. 
Psycho. For sure. If you want to know like whatever the zigzagging split personality nature of the credits is going to echo into the film. <laughs> yeah. But you get that great music. And it's another Saul Bass one. I mean, that, that guy was so good at doing an opening credit sequence. Mm, yeah. uh, uh, was, is, was there any more? That, that, that might be it. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, it's an also that's a good one. I I do I do like that one. Pink Panthers, any of the Peter Sellers Pink Panther animated oh, stuff. Oh yeah, that is good. That's good too. Um I tried to think of uh if there was another Carpenter one, but Halloween is probably the 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 really good one. Because yeah. the other ones are just mostly silent with music being played over them. I also thought Batman eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the whole time I'm like, what the hell is this camera like driving through? Or is this the bat cave? Like what? And we talked about that. And then when they pull back and it's just like this granite symbol like that, I think that that was a pretty cool little opening bit. But yeah. I really like the opening crest of Spider-Man two, where it's a recap of Spider-Man one with art from Alex Ross. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. So Ooh, good. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. So a ton to choose from. Like I, I, I went down just like a rabbit hole thinking I was like, oh, that one's pretty good. That one's good. That one's also good too. So, but that's my three uh, for for this week. Awesome, excellent. Um, before we take off, we all want just uh, a special Patreon uh, shout out to Mister Dan E, who jumped on our Patreon bandwagon. A lot of fun stuff happening on there right now. We're smack dab in the middle of Titans. We're gonna actually record that here in just a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, check that out. It's a, it's a exclusive show on HBO Max. You know, if you want to see DC's television wing, whatever that looks like with Berlanti and whoever's in charge of all that is in such good shape mm. compared to their films. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> they should maybe have a more say in what goes on in the films. It's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to we're gonna get set up to do our Twilight Zone watch along. That's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to do Halloween Kills later this month, so... Big month. October is going to be a fun one, everybody. Yeah, join that Patreon, everyone. Yep. Excellent. Well, Matt, the time is upon us. Next week, No Time to Die. This is, again, my one of my most anticipated films. And I'm very, now they're doing this and then going to revisit everything before that to see how this is going to conclude. I'm excited. I can't, I can't wait to see this thing. Yeah, me, I can't wait either. But buckle up, Buttercup, because this <laughs> is the the longest Bond, two hours and 43 minutes. It's the longest Bond film to date. So Wow. Maybe we'll get the introduction in this film of who's going to be Bond next to some rumors out there. We'll <laughs> we see might. If they hold out. I think my, and maybe that'll be our nightcap question mm-hmm. for next week is our picks for who could be the next Bond. But my my yeah. prediction is that they're going to, the, Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson are going to kind of let this film do its thing, do its theatrical run, come out on home video, and then like early 2022, mid-2022, I think we'll get the announcement of... No reason to stomp on this film's yeah. uh, hype, right? Yeah, why, why would you do that? Right. So I, th- I think we'll find out, and that, that'll be exciting because it's always exciting to, to find out who the next Bond is going to be. I'm a little worried for you. Yeah. Because this is a big film for you. I know. And... It's hard to go from what we just talked about this week to that next week to close it up. We'll I don't see, know. We'll see. I mean, I think there's a unique opportunity in there to like really put a closing on the book of Craig's tenure. And if they're able to do like a uh, an emotional conclusion that's satisfying, that might be a win in my book. So in that book series that you have, mm-hmm. that's all of those 17 novels. Mm-hmm. Is there any in there that they have not done yet? They've, They've all been done. Done them all. So okay. everything else that comes is spec, you know spec, what I mean, yeah. is coming up with a new adventure for him, which is something I can appreciate about Craig's tenure is 
they've really tried to pepper in this plot line of this syndicate organization, Quantum Spectre, the Vesper Love Triangle. But then, again, another reason why I love the Bond franchise is there's so many one-offs in there. And that's why I like Skyfall so much is it's just like, this is the mission of the the weekend, you know what I mean, people? And yeah. like we're going to deal with that for for this thing. So I like that his middle film is just kind of like, it's not really related to any of the things. It's just kind of like, we got to deal with this for this thing. And it's mm-hmm. the swan song for Judy Dench in that one. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see what we talk about. And hopefully 2021 can deal us a winner. Don't you think we need one? Sooner or later. <laughs> Sooner Every or later. Every squirrel finds a nut. Exactly. Yeah. So until then. Until then. Cheers. Cheers. I got to get going. I'm going to go unturn my car that's flipped over 15 times in the, in, in the, in the, in the driveway over there. Maybe you can give me a hand. You got it. As long as you help me resuscitate Vesper, I think between the two of us, we can get some life back in that corpse. <laughs> Excellent. She might have to resuscitate us uh, with uh, with uh, whatever uh, uh, digitalis uh, syringe thing that uh, happens to Craig in, in, in this thing. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Excellent. We'll see you all next week, everybody. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. For more Rye Smile content, go to patreon.com slash Films for exclusive bonus episodes, plus feature-length watch-along commentaries on your favorite movies and TV show recap episodes covering the best from the small screen. For Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Casino Royale is property of Sony Pictures Releasing, Eon Productions, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, and Columbia Pictures, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. The name is Bond. James Bond.